Welcome to the Self-Evident and Forgotten Podcast, a show with conversations on the truths of liberty and odd opinions. We're your hosts, Stanton, Christy, and Cody. As always, the opinions we express are ours and ours alone, and they don't necessarily reflect those of our employers or any other organization we may belong to. Wherever you are, and however you're listening and whatever you're doing, thanks for tuning in. Now relax and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Self-Evident and Forgotten. We're your hosts, Stanton and Cody. Alas, we are once again missing our vital chairwoman. As busy as the last few weeks has been, she has been busy as well. And it has been a rather wild time since we last saw each other. The United States has fully pulled out of Afghanistan with tragic losses. The 20th anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attacks has passed. President Biden has begun to implement firmer vaccination mandates. It appears the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, our military heads, had had active plans to prevent Donald Trump from executing his constitutional powers. And Texas is being Texas. So just a normal Tuesday around here, though, right? But we're going to Tuesdays are bad. Listen, I said what I said. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we're going to chat about most of it, but of course, first, Cody, you're the only one I've got here. So I feel like I can ask a, a little longer question. Ooh. What has been your nearest death experience? Uh, so I actually was at a, uh, to the surprise of no one, a shooting event down in Houston, <laughs> like an event, not a shooting. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we were out on a course. So it was supposed to be, you know, a fun go and shoot uh, sporting clays. If anybody's familiar with sporting clays, it's like golf, but with shotguns. Okay. And so you get in golf carts, you go to different holes, which are different, like shooting stands. And it's like shooting clay pigeons. So it's a lot like five stand or trap or something like that. And the pigeons come from different areas at each hole that you shoot at. And so you'll shoot a course of, you know, 10, 12, 15 holes. And so it's a way to like bring in some new excitement kind of to just standing and shooting. Sure. And so I was down at the event with, um, a, uh, a, a webpage, a blog, a a website that I write for, uh, the truth about guns. And I was out with some of their people and it was pouring rain in Houston. Oh no. Just pouring. And this event was rain or shine so i was wholly unprepared uh for this event apparently uh, i didn't have a rain lay or nothing so we go out and we get to the first hole we park the golf cart and we're standing around everybody's kind of getting ready everybody's pulling out their shotguns one of our uh, one of the guys that we were shooting with was uh, unpacking the golf cart and was starting to pull ammo out because we needed to get our shells out so that we could shoot the hole. Mm-hmm. And I was the only person that hadn't put my ear pro in yet. And I look, I hear this like really loud, shrill creak. And I look over and a tree is starting to fall like right where we're standing. Oh no. And so I don't really remember everything, but apparently I jumped and grabbed this guy. I got him by the shoulder And then I pulled him back out of the way and we both kind of like jumped back away from the golf cart 
and the tree fell exactly where he was standing, pulling ammo out of the golf cart. Oh man. And I'm not talking like a little, like two, three inch tree. This is a tree that was like two feet around three feet around that like smashed the golf cart. So Uh, he actually, he wrote a piece about it in the truth about guns. If our listeners want to go and see more about it, but um, both I and he were almost just smushed by a tree in Houston in the pouring rain. I also shot one of the best rounds of sporting clays that I've shot in my life. So apparently near death experiences uh, help with my uh, accuracy. It attunes the senses, which is good to know. I feel like that's kind of a, probably a good thing. Probably, probably under pressure. It's nice to know that you'll still perform. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So it was, it was quite the event. How about yourself? What do you got? Not anything like that. I think, (laughs) I think when I was like, in like, I don't know, first or second grade, I broke my arm, but I broke it in such a manner that they had to put like this glue in, in like some like medical glue or something that like fuses bone. together, something like that. Bone glue? Sure. Why not? I, well, all I remember is that if they this missed- This is not a medical podcast, folks. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I don't know what it is, but apparently like if they missed the mark, if they missed the, the mark properly- and it, it could go into like my bloodstream, get to my heart, calcify it, and basically stop my heart. So, yeah. So like dangerous bone glue. Yeah, dangerous bone glue. It never happened, and I barely remember. I was really like again, like first grade. Huh. Um, after that, probably when I, you know, when you're driving down an interstate, and then you realize, oh shit, I'm driving, and you, so yeah. yeah, you have to get back <laughs> in. Like, how did I get here the past ten miles? So, um, probably those, but no, no, no tree, no, no falling branches or anything. (laughs) We've all had the driving one. That one happens to the best of us. Oh yeah. Um, the best, the best of us. Well, I don't think we can say the best of us has been happening the past couple weeks. Oh, Um, buddy. It's been, you know, 2021 is about as well as 2020, but these last couple weeks have just been a flurry. I swear. Brutal. It has been. So let's let's start, I guess, with you know, the earlier one. Uh, we're out of Afghanistan. Um, yay. Yeah. Well, we talked about foreign policy, right? We talked about you know, what that means. We didn't really specify Afghanistan on the whole. So I think, you know, let, let, let's, let's talk about Afghanistan, right? We went in there to find Osama bin Laden. We could have been done by the end of 2001, right? We could have been out by December, but we stayed for a variety of reasons, probably because of lying, because of bureaucrats and blah, blah, blah. But the point being is that we were there to do something that we didn't intend to do, build up Afghanistan. And then the government collapsed in two weeks, right? Yeah. Not even, right? Because, even. And, and we talked about this, I think, earlier, because the Taliban... Um, someone i can't remember who said it today's taliban is not yesterday's taliban and that they still have the same ideology they still have the same kind of uh uh ideas but their approach is much different because they realize okay if we've got these bunch of americans staying in our country for 20 years trying to create a government right they're going to have you know city councils if they're going to have schools then the mayor is going to be our guy and the principals are going to be our guy we're just going to buy them off right and so that's what they did. And so they're 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 trying to create themselves as a government. They're trying to to govern, 
And they just swept through. They, they basically looked at the Afghan National Army. They said, you can either drop your guns and go home or be shot right here, right now. And most, and this trained army wasn't trained at all. So, I mean, I'm not surprised. Well, and I don't know. Like, allegedly, the Afghan leadership was just entirely corrupt. And so a lot of what you're like, what I've heard um, from Afghan military is like, the troops on the ground weren't getting paid because the leaders were just hoarding all the cash. Good Lord. So then somebody knocks on your door and goes, set, you know, set down your guns. And these guys aren't getting paid. They haven't seen a paycheck. They haven't fed their families. Yeah, there's in weeks. no loyalty I mean, there whatsoever. Yeah. It's just, I mean, this is what we talked about in foreign policy. It's like we went in, we didn't do what we said we were going to do. And we sat there and we just made everything worse. We made, the Afghan people and government entirely and completely reliant on the United States, the United States military, especially the United States air power, because they were just, I mean, we have air capabilities that, well, that at at this point, no other country truly has. We'll see how that holds now that there's significant portions of those air capabilities that have been left in Afghanistan. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you don't think that, the Russian and Chinese military already have their hands on half of what we left behind, then you're just not paying attention. I was talking with a friend about how terrible this withdrawal went. And no, besides, besides the fact that we left behind so many, so much gear, well, rather the Afghan national army left basically unprotected that we had basically sold them for dirt cheap. Um, No, we lost 13 servicemen. Right. Yeah, we, we lost we, we lost them at, at, at Kabul airport. Um, here's what I don't understand. And, may, and and I don't understand logistics. I don't understand. This felt like a cut and run operation instead of a withdrawal. And this is this seems really problematic because Trump announced the, the withdrawal back in like March of 2020. OK. And he, he said we're going to be out by May of 21. Biden said, I can't make that. So we're going to make it to September 21. Here's what I don't get. That seems like enough time to me to make sure that you can withdraw efficiently and uh, as well as you can. And I, why, why do you close down your, your most secure military airport, no, no, Bagram Air Base? Why do you close that down and instead rely upon the civilian Kabul airport. Like none of this makes sense unless none of this makes sense unless the military deliberately was stalling the withdrawal plans, thinking they could get away with it. And then when Biden says, no, we're actually going to do it, we're actually going to withdraw. They said, oh, crap, we have to actually do this. And now it's a rushed operation. This seemed this is a complete failure of leadership. Biden should be firing every single one of the joint chiefs, all of their lieutenants, and every single person of the Department of Defense from uh, all the way down to the, at least the assistant secretary level, like every one of those bureaucrats should be gone. Like, I don't I how, how could how how could this be so botched? And, and you want to know the only person who's been fired or I think technically it's been two now who have been fired over the Afghanistan situation who's that? were two military commanders at lower ranks that came out and criticized leadership for their withdrawal. Two of them, I think one was fired and the other one submitted his, I think they technically both submitted resignation. The first was fired. 
the first was called for his resignation. I can't recall his name. Uh, and the second resigned. And those that's who's left is the, the people who have submitted criticisms. I mean, there is no military or tactical justification for abandoning Bagram, the Air no. Force Base, I, 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 and relying on Kabul. There is just none. And so either they were so naive that they truly felt that the Afghan government wasn't going to collapse, even though it had been collapsing around them throughout the entire process or of the withdrawal, or you're right. They thought something else was going to happen. And then, Oh no, what do we do? Mm -hmm. And here's what's disgusting, right? So some of the arms were left behind by Afghan military members that were, was given to them by the United States. Some of them were left by behind by us, by the U.S. explicitly, because we have processes for, look, military is a logistics business, and it's really expensive to ship a ton of 20 years worth of war equipment back to right. the United States that you're not going to use for anything else. Mm-hmm. And so it is literally cheaper in their mind and potentially actually to just destroy the equipment and leave it there than to pay to ship it back. And right. so we have decommissioning strategies and we did not follow those decommissioning strategies on everything that we left behind. And no. so those, those U S weapons that were in the hands of American servicemen fighting in this war for 20 years are going to be used by the Taliban against American assets. And this, this is so frustrating, so frustrating because no, to, to, to coincide with you know the 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 twentieth anniversary anniversary of uh, September eleventh, uh, twenty years is a generation, right? That, that, that's an I, I I'm pretty sure one of the one of the Marines who was killed in the withdrawal was younger than the war. I have to double check that, but this was not. I mean, We've talked about how war can be perpetual if left unchecked, right? Especially when you talk about declaration of war versus a congressional authorized use of military force versus just presidential executive action. Um, you know, I get it. I get being uh, vigilant against you know those who wish us harm. I get you know you know if you want to if you want to even abandon the libertarian principle, just be like practical and like we've got to have a strong forward face and forward defense. I, I get that, but 20 years of nation building a country that never existed is just the most colossal waste. It, there's nothing to show for it now, um, except for massive amounts of refugees um, who I hope who I hope make it. Uh, you don't you have no, you you have less than nothing. You have trillions of dollars of debt that are accumulate that are going to accumulate interest and are going to just make the inflation, which is already happening now, worse. That that I I am so pissed. About you have this. thousands of lives, thousands of Americans' lives, American lives lost. You have tens of thousands of civilians that have been killed in this conflict on multiple sides. You've got trillions of dollars in debt that has been spent. You've got years and years of R&D, research and development on weapons, that has been handed over to 
the Russian and Chinese military, as well as Afghan forces, as well as like Iranian forces, you've got, I mean, I mean, we walked out with one of the, the most lethal days in U.S. military, the most lethal day in what, 10 years, something like that. And on top of it all, on the anniversary, the 20th anniversary of 9-11, the Taliban is arguably stronger than they were on September 12th, 2001. Yeah, I mean, and 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 there's a, I can't remember who wrote the book. It's called Fool's Errand. It's basically a, a criticism of the war on the whole. The Taliban wasn't even really involved in 9-11, right? I mean, the, the, the most that they had, and if there is a better historian out there, please correct me. But if I understand it correctly, Al-Qaeda basically rented space from the Taliban in Afghanistan. But the Taliban had really nothing to do with the planning. They had nothing to do with Al-Qaeda specifically. In fact, I'm pretty sure they tried to sell them out to the United States, realizing, oh, great, we don't want anything to do with the Al-Qaeda. And we just kind of ignore that because we don't negotiate with terrorists, quote unquote. Oh, they they did. So so when so when we threatened to invade um, Afghanistan to find bin Laden to deal with this to uh, deal with mm-hmm. to uh, to uh, visit upon him the uh, justice that he deserved, right? Um, the we touched base with the Taliban and they basically asked us, you know, Oh, Hey, can you provide the evidence? Uh, and I'm being flippant. I apologize. Right. I'm angry. Uh, basically, you know, they were like, provide the evidence that links him and, you know, we'll handle this amicably. And the United States went, Oh, we, we, that's not how we do things. We don't and negotiate then, with terrorists, which is a bold faced lie. We negotiated with the Soviets all the time. And we consider them a greater threat than anything else we've ever faced. We sent billions of dollars to, Chinese, which sponsored state terrorism, so did the Russians. We, we also South- <sighs> we also literally negotiated with the Taliban to get out of Afghanistan. We so- negotiated. With, uh, okay, my point being is this: now that we realize that the entire project of the post nine eleven military apparatus is a sham, yeah, they got they got Bin Laden which you are arguably can say is actually a success of the CIA and not the military. Also not in Afghanistan, in Pakistan, our supposed ally. If all of this, all of this should basically be considered a failure on the front, right? I'm sorry. Can we finally, can we finally dismantle the Patriot Act? Can we finally rein in the national security agency? Can we finally go back? Can we, can we dismantle the TSA? Like, well, what At about least, what about ISIS K, Stanton? What about ISIS yet to be wait, named? Wait, ISIS ISIS K, the ones that hate the Chinese, who were who the, were thinking of helping so that they can fight the Chinese. That ISIS K. Well, we were going to help them until we weren't going to help. So you don't see, Stanton. You don't understand. You arm the bad guy, or that's kind of a good guy, so that he could fight the badder guy, and then in ten years that guy becomes the badder guy. So then you got to keep arming them. I think Dave Smith was the one who said, if you want to know who our enemy is going to be in 20 years, look at who we're funding now. That's absolutely true. So, I, I mean, mean Syria, Syria we're, fu- we're, we're funding both sides. Yeah. We're funding like two different opposing factions of like the, the five faction war that is Syria. 
I mean, the weapons that we were that were being fired at American soldiers as we invaded Afghanistan in 2001 were bought with American money and provided by American forces to those individuals. I mean, so I get it. It starts with the Mujahideen. It starts moves to the Taliban, moves to Al Qaeda. It's just a perpetual flow. Maybe the United States needs to stop dealing with these insane regime wars and these insane civil wars in far off countries like we talked about last time. I mean. If people can't learn their lesson, if people can't understand that from Afghanistan, we're literally watching it happen in real time. You are going to watch these weapons be used in conflict and you are going to watch this withdrawal and what's happening right now be used in an attempt to justify another war. I I, I guarantee it, whether it takes a year or four or five years, we're going to see it happen. And if people are not, if people are silent about it, if people get behind it because we need to stamp out terrorism instead of having like an actual plan to do something, then you can't fight a methodology. You have to battle against the people that are inflicting harm. You can't battle terrorism writ large. You have to ensure that you are defending American lives against actual cognizant threats from real human beings until we make that shift. And I'll say I'll say this again. You know, if you want to remember, and if you you know, the idea, a motto that came out of 9/11 is never forget. Right? If you really want to truly remember this, being vigilant matters. Right? We weren't vigilant on that very very horrible day, so you got to be vigilant. But for what? Defending what? The current status. The current status kind of sucks, in my opinion. So, um, so to continue before we get to you know everything else that's happened in the world, let's continue our current bashing of the Department of Defense, and let's talk about General Mike Milley, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And we talked about the Joint Chiefs last time. There are there are Chief Military Advisors. Um, Cody, do you want to lead with this one? I mean, we have to be careful because if we speak ill of him, he'll hold a secret conference behind our backs to ensure oh. that. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's been a number of stories coming out and they're still in their infancy. Even if you're listening to this the day it's published, I mean, there might be more information because this is just coming out. But you know, there's a lot of reports, allegedly, that the uh, the good general. By the way, uh, this is all coming out of a Bob Woodward's book, new book, his like third book on the. Trump presidency. It's called peril. So uh, a lot of the reports that you're reading online are coming from this book. So I just want to make sure everyone, if you're looking for a source, that's what you're looking for. Keep going, Cody. Yeah. And I think Axios broke part of a story too, from a would-be informant. Allegedly, there's people that are willing to come forth and testify, come forward and testify. So uh, basically it sounds like what happened was, I mean, we've known for a long time that the joint chiefs and military commanders have frustrated any attempt at decreasing military power. I mean, this is something that we talked about in our foreign um, foreign policy episode is that, you know, job security for them is foreign wars. That's their bread and butter. And if you decide to end foreign wars, do troop drawdowns, start withdrawing people from different countries, you start risking people's jobs and they get nervous. So mm-hmm. it's no surprise that there's always been these you know, oh, there's mixed support coming out of the Pentagon for this w- uh, withdrawal strategy. And allegedly, the Joint Chiefs have had a, and other advisors have had a practice of leaking worst case scenarios to the media. 
uh, on troop drawdown, troop drawdowns and ending wars. So that's all allegedly, and who knows where this is coming from. But apparently the good general uh, did everything that he could to frustrate Trump's attempts during his last days in office to fully withdraw from Afghanistan, apparently to do troop withdrawals um, in um, Iraq as well and Syria and to effectuate a withdrawal in Germany and a withdrawal from Africa. And so these are even broader than what we had seen for his just general policy points. Um, And those withdrawals allegedly were met with secret meetings in order to stop the, uh, I don't know, commander in chief. Oh, Uh, let's, let's talk about the, 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 another secret meeting. Now, we all are remember the the January six riots, right? Some people call it an insurrection. Uh, when the Senate and the House were attempting to um, confirm Biden's uh, election, apparently after that day, according to this book, Trump kind of went off the rails. He did his Trump thing, and apparently General Milley was so concerned that he held a secret meeting, another one, in which he said to all the chief military advisors with him saying, you're going to follow the process. You're going to follow the procedures as normal, but I'm going to be in every single one of those meetings with the specific intention that nothing's going to happen without me so that he could do whatever he thought necessary to prevent the president from doing what the president saw fit as commander in chief. Now we've talked about the president's commander in chief powers is dangerous. We all know that. I mean, I, I, I am personally happy whenever Commander-in-Chief powers can be checked. However, if any of you are constitutionalists, like our good friend Cody here and Christy is, then you find this <laughs> concerning because when the commander-in-chief can't perform his commander-in-chief constitutional powers, all that seems to violate the basic tenet of the rule of law. You get this weird problem, right? So this idea of like, oh, good, somebody's checking an unchecked executive, right? That sounds kind of like a good thing. Mm -hmm. But then when you realize, again, what we talked about in our foreign policy episode, that you're just talking about bureaucrats stacked on bureaucrats, what you're actually saying is some random unelected individual can frustrate constitutional intent. Yeah, and and, so you can. We're not talking about like Congress or the courts doing their checks and balance powers. We're talking about one man in, in an unelected position, um, uh, you know, and there's another report and I don't know how much stock I put into this, um, but military.com was reporting, you know, he called China saying, listen, if, if Trump attacks China, I'm not going to follow through. So you don't have to worry about that. Mike. Uh, what? I, I mean, can you imagine like a, yeah, this, I don't even, this is, I cannot stress to you enough servicemen and women in the armed forces are some of the more formidable and patriotic individuals you'll ever be. Um, Are some of them just doing it for money? Sure. But I think the vast majority of them have a strong bond with each other. They have a genuine love for this country. Um, but I would not put five cents worth of trust or value into anyone, uh, probably the rank of colonel or above. Because by the time you get to colonel, you're starting to get really political, right? Certainly, but not by the time you get to your, your general status. So uh, these are just military pol- politicians. And I can't stand to this. 
Yeah. And this isn't your job. It's not your job to decide. Like you have an advisory role to the commander in chief. Those same joint chiefs of staff, look, it doesn't matter who's in office. Those same joint chiefs of staff have an advisory role to that commander in chief. Uh That is how our system works. The same would be true if they did this under Obama, Bush Jr., Clinton, Bush. See, I don't care. There are right ways to do things and there are wrong ways to do things. And so if you truly think that your commander in chief is unfit, it is going to engage in open war with China. And so you call your counterpart in the Chinese military to start leaking information to them. Mm -hmm. You have grounds to address it via an actual constitutional remedy. You don't get to just decide how to fix the problem. That is not your job. And that's the problem with bureaucracy. Look, this is the problem we have with agencies. This is the problem we have with everything is that it's just unelected experts. And I use air quotes who are deciding what and how to do things with zero accountability. If it doesn't get any more unaccountable, then you literally betraying your boss multiple times and just continuing to remain in your job. If anything, this should reveal the fact that we need significant reform in the entire way we conduct military affairs, including the president's powers and the way that the entire DOD and military structure is organized. So we used to have public control over our military in two ways. One, it was incredibly limited under the Constitution. We were limited only to a standing Navy. I think that could be expanded by via legitimate argument. Um, And this power had to be reauthorized every two years, this funding. And so this is, there were ways that we were limiting control. You also were able to limit control by electing a commander in chief that you wanted to lead the armed forces. We, we didn't institute control over the armed forces by having this insane bureaucratic complex underneath. And that's what we have now. And that's what we talked about before. And Frankly, I mean, we're just seeing exactly what we talked to talked about come to light. So, um, okay, I think we've done enough. I think now that we're both fired up, I'm sorry, everybody. I'll tell our listeners like I have been in a a very venting, venting. Yeah, and, you know, if Christy was here, she'd be more optimistic. If probably a yeah. bit more, you know, bit more, you know, I will not put words in her mouth, but I would imagine she'd say something like. This is Biden's primary fault, and I won't disagree with her. Biden is the chief executive. He had every responsibility to make sure this went well, and it didn't. Um, and she and probably, then took zero responsibility. Like, oh, my The God. buck stops here while I blame everybody else and then walk away without answering questions. I'm sorry. Oh. It's, it's just he needed, absolutely unacceptable. He missed his 4 p.m. nap. Ugh, unacceptable. Yeah. You are um, commander-in-chief, American servicemen and women died on your watch it was uh, the deadliest watch day. the watch well when he when they bat- yeah. arrived yeah that yeah. that watch yeah um died okay. yeah just just okay sorry sorry let's, we need, let's I, I'm move just gonna... into so, so <laughs> you know, we're talking about bureaucracy and we've talked about bureaucracy before but let's talk about it in the biden's new uh vaccine mandate so if you missed it last week uh, President Biden said that he is going to direct the Department of Labor to institute a rule, probably a rule through OSHA, the agency that oversees um, occupational safety at the workspace, 
uh, he's probably going to direct OSHA to create a rule. If companies with 100 people or more are not vaccinated um, or do not, so the alternative, right, either get vaccinated or get testing once a week to confirm you're not, no, uh, uh, you're not infected with COVID, um, then you are going to be out of compliance with OSHA regulations. And that has problems for in terms of taxation, has problems in terms of uh, whether or not you can practice your business to begin with. Um, this is the most extreme the federal government has gotten involved in trying to handle this, right? We State governments have been doing this from the beginning, right? Your local city council, um, their local health department, they've been threatening to pull business licenses if they don't close down or if they don't get vaccines or if they don't have masks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the same mechanism Biden is doing through OSHA, through the Department of Labor, trying to say, you know, all the things that you've had to do under your state governments, now you're going to have to do it under the weight of the full federal bureaucracy. Um, I have uh, a lot of thoughts, but I'll give you two. <laughs> One, this is probably not the most severe it can get, right? Um, this is this is actually rather benign in comparison to what this, in comparison with the state and local governments have done. This is benign, right? Which means it can get worse. Uh, no, right now it's either get vaccinated or get tested or lose your, your business, uh, practice. Um, it could get severe to the fact of you have to get vaccinated and you have to get tested and you have to be masked or you have to, it can get worse. The second thing I have is a hundred does COVID magically stop? at 99 really okay that's that's good to know um so if i'm a business of 100 people i'm now going to form two companies of 50 people each or i'm going to do you know there's there's so many business loopholes through this which means if there are loopholes that means the only the biggest companies you know your amazons and your walmart's only they are going to be able to make this work um I'm, I'm just rambling on. I'm just complaining. I mean, do you have anything better, Cody? Do you have a, like a more pointed attack on this? This is just, this sucks so bad. Well, so, so here's, so I, I see what you're saying about this being more benign, but I actually kind of disagree. You know, we're, we're no longer talking about not operating a business or wearing a mask. Those, those things are temporary we're talking about forcing individuals to inject something inside themselves. Um, And as soon as you start talking about violating bodily autonomy, you start getting into like, I mean, we're in real fascist territory now. Like this isn't like we're, we're getting into like, this is no longer the question of like, Oh, have we betrayed our Republican value? Like not Republican party, like as a Republican form of government. Um. I mean, big businesses, I think, is done for legal reasons, and it's targeted at in order for them to try to avoid certain things and try to make certain arguments. Um, I mean, this is here's what we should say. This has been announced. Nothing has hit paper, at least that I've seen at the time of recording. Yeah, this is going to hit a lawsuit paper wall, isn't it? 
Well, so yeah, I mean, as soon as this guidance is actually written down and published, a lot of things can change. And you know, the people that are drafting it are sitting here listening to everybody that's complaining all the legal issues and they're trying to find ways around it. Yeah. And so I, this will morph significantly by the time that it has actually published as final guidance. Um, OSHA has the ability to issue emergency rules before they undergo the full rulemaking process. Gross. Those emergency rules have been less than successful. Um, it's only been attempted like nine times. Four of them were struck down and three of them were stupid, basically. Well, they might all be, but uh, I mean, this is, this is bad. Like we're no longer in government preserving Liberty territory. Um, but one of the hard things is, is this is what we have been warning about forever. Government is the one, as of right now, you can't operate a business without the government's permission. You, you point on something that, that, uh, that reminded me of what Biden said in this speech. We've lost our patience with you. Government lost patience with me? I'm sorry. I thought a government of the people, by the people, for the people was to lose patience or have patience with the government. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think it was the other way around. I'm sorry. I did not know I was your benign subject. And, but that's the problem with the system that we have now, right? Is that this is what we've been talking about. This is why we do this podcast. And this is why you know, we stress these issues to everybody that listens and those that tune us out on their car ride into work. <laughs> it's because <laughs> this is what happens when you let government exceed its purpose. When you put government in everything, then something like a vaccine mandate for big businesses becomes a debate based on current precedent and law. And the fact that it's a debate right now is the most worrisome aspect, right? mm -hmm. That that people are saying, yeah, this is good. This is great. It reminds me of, uh, of Australia. I mean, Australia is a developed Western nation and there are police officers beating people up for leaving their homes that happened, and so, and that happened to millions of Australians saying, "Yeah, that's okay. They want that." Like, that's terrifying. That is third world country bull. So I, I am one of those guilty parties that listens to Joe Rogan, and he said something in an episode recently. He said Australia proceeded from being in a COVID state to being a police state, oh and you, it, I quote Joe because there's. I don't think there's a better way to say it. And I mean, it is insane. Australia is testing an app that would notify you and you would be required to take every 15 minutes or so. No. So, so it would notify you at random intervals and then you would have 15 minutes to take a picture of yourself in the place that you are supposed to be. So, so here's the problem is we live in a world where we operate at the behest of government. There is nothing you can do in today's world that government hasn't put a stamp on from, I mean, we're recording on equipment that has government controls. I mean, like your sleep, your sleep is regulated. Mattresses are under the department of commerce, the department of trade. And their ability to operate is at the behest, not only of a state license, but also being in compliance with OSHA mandates. And so 
these are the problems and this is what, what we need to fix. Look, do we need to f- figure out how to address vaccine mandates right now? Yes. Is this going to be litigated as soon as this thing hits paper? I'm yes. I mean, you can see the states that have already come out and said, like, we're ready to file lawsuits. So this is going to go into the courts and this is going to be a battle. But the takeaway here isn't, okay, we need to figure out how to deal with vaccine mandates in the future. We need to take our lives back. We need to be able to live our lives without asking mother may I, because when we have to ask mother may I, sometimes she's going to say no. Yeah. And some of those no's are going to be based off of really stupid reasons. Or no reason at all. Or no reason at all. I, as cheesy as it is, Ben Franklin was exactly right. After the Constitutional Convention, when they decided to do away with the Articles of Confederation, a woman asked him, Dr. Big mistake. Biggest mistake. First off, big mistake. Second, (laughs) she asked, Dr. Franklin, what have you given us? What form of government? A monarchy? What have you given us? And he says, a republic, ma'am, if you can keep it. And I mean, we teach us in government and kind of blow over, but the active participation in your government is the prospect of keeping a republic and the keeping aspect lies in the lies in the preamble of the constitution i, I don't mean to, to to get cheesy on everyone but i really really read, need you to consider that as much as cody and i have issues with the constitution it's still the best thing out there right now and the preamble outlines how our founding fathers and the framers, how they thought about government. And that towards the end, it talks about preserving liberty for ourselves and our posterity. It's about the constitution's whole structure is to create ordered liberty. That is a paradox, right? Ordering liberty. But it's a goal that they had that to balance the rule of law, to balance government force with personal individual autonomy. And that balance isn't easy. And there are people who disagree on what that balance should look like. But I don't know how anyone could look at the current state of the world, whether you're in Australia, New Zealand, especially, or or even, you know, Denver. I don't know how you could say this is balanced. I don't know how you could say that personal autonomy has any role in how government operates right now. It, it just isn't there for 15 days became, has become like 18 months. This is stupid to the highest degree. We've, I mean, we've lost our way and we have to find it again. I think that COVID has exposed a lot of the concerns, a lot of the fears that people have had and and watching the system just slowly degrade, but we kicked it into overdrive. And I mean, we have, we have a chance. We still have the ability to recover our system, to recognize individuals, to empower people and to, to save this kind of beautiful thing that we have. But it's going to take work and it's going to take people getting motivated and getting out there and, you know, standing up and addressing these problems. And, and I've been one of the things that is very heartening 
uh, to provide a Christie level of optimism. I was going to say we're two, we're the two <laughs> most cynical people here. I know we're we missing need, we, our, we're missing our balancing. We act need Christie on this one more than ever. Um, I the overwhelming response of people of people just just rising up and finding their way to to make a point or make a stand or stand for liberty or stand for individuals or stand for their neighbor has been uh, has been beautiful and a lot of those people are are really frustrated because they don't see that what they're doing has an effect and it really does and even if you can't bring a lawsuit against your school board even if you can't you know affirmatively stop x or y from happening bringing attention to it having these conversations making these arguments educating yourself these are all huge and i think more people have educated themselves and more people have become more active in their local communities after covid than just about anything i've ever seen yeah and you know the we, we, this personal liberty is very important. And this doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do any one thing or act in any one way. Like, you know, I'll, I'll be right up there. I got the vaccine. I got the vaccine as, as early as I could. Um, that's not because government told me to, it's because I generally uh, trust the, 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 the professionals who tell me that this is going to work. Like my, my father-in-law, he's a doctor. Like, uh, he seemed to say this is this is fine, whether it be effective or not, might be too early. But he said there is not going to be a whole lot of side effects for you. So I'm like, okay, I, I took it. And you know, COVID, COVID's real. I mean, is it as dangerous as some people might say? So uh, probably not, I guess. But you know, I have a, I have a colleague of mine who were, uh, works in the ICU uh, uh, of our local hospital. Uh, and I asked him, so give me, give me straight, like how, how, how necessary is the vaccine? He says, well, of about the 32, 36 people we have in ICU, um, one is vaccinated. The rest are unvaccinated. And I said, are all those COVID related? All but two. So the vaccine may not be 100% preventative, but seems to be pretty dog good. Now, I don't bring that up to say, go get the vaccine. I say that because I'm here, vaccinated, also saying this mandate crap is crap. You can be both. Don't feel pressured to think that you have to be a, an anti-vaccine person or, an, or a vaccine hesitant. Don't feel like you have to be that to be a freedom fighter. And don't feel like you have to be... Um, uh, and don't, don't, don't feel like you have to be pro-government just because you are vaccinated, right? You can, you can be both. It's, it's possible to have those two align with yourself. Um, I just want to throw that out there before we get to Texas, because Texas is crazy. Texas. Texas get some freedom crazy. in here. Um, so Texas has two things going on right now. One of them is the abortion uh, ban that went into effect. Uh, we're going to talk about that later because I have a high suspicion that Chrissy will want to be involved in that. But Cody has something very fun to talk about, which we are here to applaud Texas for. Can you just ins- insert the like freedom clip from Braveheart right now? <laughs> like, is that possible? Is that DCMA? Like, is that copyrighted? 
I'm not just, even gonna. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just need Mel Gibson yelling freedom. Uh, Texas became the twentieth constitutional carry state. Nice. Which means in the state of Texas, you no longer have to ask government permission in order to carry a firearm in public to defend your life. And this is beautiful. And so one of the things that I think we should address and one thing that we should talk about, Stan, I don't actually know where you come out on this. So this might be interesting. So most of our listeners know that guns is my work. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that come up is there's a lot of people who are, are pro gun who have expressed concern with the removal of licensure. And this idea that I'm okay with people carrying guns, but they should pass a test to make sure that they're safe. And so this throws into, into uh, conversation, all yeah. of this category of, I mean, occupational licensure and all sorts of issues. But here's what I would say. And you encounter a significant number of problems. First of all, as su- exercise of a right shouldn't be conditioned on government performance. And so this is what we're dealing with in the COVID stuff, guys. As soon as you put the government and give it a foothold, it gets to set the terms. Mm-hmm. It gets to set the conditions. It gets to set the rules, which means you're paying money in order to exercise a right, right? Because you have to pay a fee. You got to take a class. You have to renew your license. Some places have done away with those. You also have the government gets to set the terms of the engagement, which means they get to tell you what information you have to provide in order to carry a firearm. They get to tell you what information is disqualifying from carrying a firearm, and they get to establish the test, which means you have sometimes elected, but oftentimes unelected bureaucrats who are establishing safety standards, and they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you put these things in the hands of the government, you immediately expose it to the, all of the bureaucratic problems that we're dealing with. Now, should individuals go out and train and, and learn how to operate a weapon? Absolutely. Should they do that under their own accord under, and, and ensure that they can adequately protect themselves and their families? Absolutely. Should the right to defend your own life be conditioned on that? No, not, not, a, not, not in my book. So, uh, I'm generally mostly opposed to all forms of government licensure, right? Um, Uh-oh. Um, so teacher licenses, crap. Uh, uh, cosmetology licenses, crap. Okay. So the, that, that principle applies to owning a gun, right? You have, I mean, for God's sake, the founding fathers wrote into the articles and of the Constitution the idea of private legal piracy that yeah like hey you own a ship do you want to put cannons on it and go kill our enemies okay cool you now own a military class frigate we okay now let me provide the sensible alternative here (laughs) um in my opinion uh, most of the gun laws that the states have on their books should be scrapped however I also think that the tort law surrounding guns needs to be revamped. And here's what I mean. If I am a gun store owner, I sell guns and I sell ammunition. I don't think the state should have any role in defining who I sell to. 
None whatsoever. However, I think that if a gun store owner is going to sell to someone and that someone uses the product that they sold in a vastly dangerous or deadly way, in in an unlawful way, I think that tort law should be allowed to sue that gun store owner a little bit easier. And, And the reason I say that is because while I don't like the government enforcing any sort of requirement to own a gun, such as safety and et cetera, et cetera, I think it would be just dandy if private companies looking out for themselves and looking out to maintain a safe environment for their customers and for their own public reputation, that they require proof of training, proof of mental fitness and so on and so forth. So would you hold car dealerships to the same standard? Absolutely. I think driver's licenses by the government are fraudulent. Well, so if a if a car dealer sells a vehicle to somebody who then in two weeks goes on a rampage and drives down a boardwalk, should the car dealer be held liable? Depends on the circumstances. But in general, if they didn't do a thorough background, like if they sold it to a 12-year-old, I don't know why a 12-year-old would have enough money to buy a car, but if they sold it to a 12-year-old, absolutely. No one should trust a 12-year-old to drive. Okay. So I think, well, so I think there's some, there should be some caution injected into your statement because what you're talking about now is not just so little bit easier. You mean to expand kind of the definition of what would constitute like gross negligence in the same. Okay. That's very different. So we should be very clear about that. Right. And, and, and I know tort law in this country is not where it needs to be because if you're, if, if, if you look from a, no, this more, anarchists perspective, which is kind of what we're starting to deal with here. The basic idea of how do you rectify injustice, right? How, you know, if if the government is not going to be as involved in regulating behavior, how do you punish things that are bad, but aren't necessarily illegal in this society? Well, you have to be able to sue them. You have to be able to sue for damages, right? That's tort law. But because Americans are so wrapped up in the state regulating, the state prohibiting, we We've let our tort law suffer. See, I don't actually think that's true. So it's very difficult to try to hold a third party accountable for the actions of a different person. So here's what I'm saying. In, In a tort, so in a tort suit, you could, the individual that decided to drive down a boardwalk, right? You can hold them civilly liable under a tort suit. There's, there's no prohibition on that. Correct. What happens is those individuals are always prosecuted criminally, which has much stronger, heftier fines and, and punishments. And then people will try to pursue civil liability thereafter, right? OJ is the famous example. OJ was found criminally not guilty and then was found civilly liable for what he did and was subjected to, although I'm not sure he paid, significant monetary damages. But right. here's the problem. As soon as you inject that level of holding this third party, holding the dealer, holding the seller responsible, you've injected all this level of uncertainty into a sale. And so could you deal with expanding gross negligence? Maybe, but then you're talking about like, what level is required of the seller to go about? Here's the thing. It's already illegal and wrong for you to go and drive a car down a boardwalk and kill people. Right. And so that conduct is already prohibited. 
And the idea that you could individually hold liable every retailer in the United States for every product they ever sell, if it's used in a way that would hurt people, is hugely problematic once you blow that out to its actual, like its full limits. The reason, and I, and I know we're getting technical here, folks, the reason I, 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 I put this out there is because, you know, if, if we have state regulations on who gets the have a driver's license or who gets to have a, a gun permit. Um, you know, a gun store or a car dealership, they can sell their products. And if they go do something criminal, then those stores cannot be held liable because, hey, they passed all the tests. We can't be held liable. What I'm saying is if you get rid of that licensure, okay, then there you lose out on that why did this person have a gun in the first place? And that's where you get this, this negligence aspect. So I know that no, I, I am not responsible for anyone's actions except my own. I get that. I am saying that the definition of negligence that I should not have sold that weapon to this person should be expanded. And when I say that tort law needs to be approved, we need more cases. We need more uh, uh, jury decisions. We need more court-based decisions on determining what is socially acceptable negligence, right? Okay. I, I, I can see where you're going with it. And I'm, I understand now. We just don't have enough case law on yeah. that. Pro- that. That's what I mean by improvement. I'm not talking about like some law, some, some politician rights, better tort law. I'm saying society has an understanding of what negligence should is because you can't really define negligence. Otherwise society has to determine what is negligent. Did, did you, no, did you check his mental illness and did you check if he was trained? Well, is that, does that pass muster or is there more that society wants? You can't determine that without either passing a law, which we both don't want, or having enough cases to determine that the common law has said over the course of history, this is what society has expected of you to do before you sell your product. I would be careful to potentially condition rights on what society deems is the right level in a transaction. And so I, I understand what you're saying, but I think that there's a lot of nuances here that would need to be sure. And I, and I tailored out and we could have a technical episode on (laughs) court law and common law. My point being is this, I'm with you, Cody, get rid of most licenses and most permits, get rid of them. I'm totally there with you. I'm also here saying, I still think sellers should have some responsibility in who they sell to. I don't want the state to enforce that. I would happily have private parties via a court system pursue that. I, I do think that is really interesting. And I, and I, I mean, I do in, always encourage anybody that I interact with to, to be trained and to learn how to effectively defend themselves until you start getting into some of that higher level training. You don't even realize like the things that you don't know. And I am by far a novice in that world um, still, and probably, you know, I hope to learn more and more as I go, but um, I do think it is, it is brilliant when you see a government stepping out of the way and let's, let's be clear here. What Texas did was stepped out of the way. It didn't grant its citizens the right to carry in public. Mm -hmm. It merely removed its conditions upon that, right? It's barriers. Yeah. Yeah. So let's make sure we think about this the right way, right? Like Texas had, has now stopped infringing on this particular portion of individuals' rights to defend themselves in public. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be clear on that, but that's great. It's good that they're doing that and that people in Texas got a little bit more free 
Good job, Texas. Maybe we should, uh, have we done licensure yet? I feel like that's now, I feel like we might need to explore I this. I don't know if we did. I know we touch on it, but I'd be curious. I'd this be might curious. be an interesting topic. Because the, the, the question that always comes up with licensure is, well, what about doctors? That's always the question. But who watches the Watchmen? What's that? Uh, uh, <laughs> Custodes Ipsos Custodes? Yeah. Who will guard us from, yeah. Who will guard yeah. us from the Guardians? Well, I don't know who's going to guard us from the Guardians. We don't have Plato to assign a Guardian class. We don't have Philosopher Kings. But, you know, we do our best to be our own little philosophers here. Um, uh, Cody, you got any shout outs before we end up end here? Uh, I don't remember who I've like shouted out now. I feel like it, I came up, I said this last episode that I needed a list. <laughs> And then I promptly did nothing to advance that, that cause. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I have a particular shout out this week. Okay. Uh, shout out to, well, I'll shout out my school. I'll shout out my employer. They have, by the way, I've, we say this at the beginning of every episode, Cody and I and Chrissy, our opinions are our own. They do not express nor, uh, condemn or whatever the opinions of our employers or the organizations we belong to, they're ours. Nevertheless, I want to shout out my school. They value freedom. They value educational choice to the, the prudent degree possible. So I want to shout out Liberty Common. Love you guys. You guys rock. So I'll, I'll go with that. I mean, I guess I could shout out my employer too then. So, there you go. Uh, so Mountain State's Legal Foundation has been uh, and remains to be fantastic in taking this fight and taking many fights. Um, trying to make people just a little bit more free. So it's pretty brilliant to be able to go into work every day and work for an organization that stands up for liberty, stands up for individual rights, and empowers me to represent real and everyday Americans in their fight for their rights, but everybody's rights. I mean, these people are are standing up and taking a stand against government overreach on behalf of everybody that's similarly situated so uh it's great i love it and uh i can't wait to keep doing it well that wraps it up for us here until next time uh where we will talk about something that will probably be self-evident and likely forgotten now you can find us on twitter and instagram at sef underscore pod as well as facebook you can listen to us on apple podcasts and spotify and anywhere else you listen With that, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next time.